Welcome to the Springs Church Podcast, where we explore the teachings of Jesus Christ and how they can be applied to our daily lives. Join us as we delve into the Bible and discuss topics such as faith, hope, love, and forgiveness. Our mission is to inspire and empower our listeners to live a life of purpose and meaning and to deepen their relationship with God. Tune in every week for a new episode as we learn how Holy Spirit, the Bible, and a relationship with Jesus will impact every area of your life. Awesome. Well, you guys ready to get into the Word? Awesome. You know, this is, there's a duality here to church on Sundays. I do my best to speak about what we believe the Holy Spirit's put on our hearts, but it's also vital that you guys come expecting to receive from God this morning so that I can help change your life. You guys agree with that? So if you're expecting, I promise you, and you lean on Holy Spirit. See, Holy Spirit is your ultimate teacher. He will lead you into all truth. Don't take my word for it. Double check everything, every single thing I say and every other pastor, and Holy Spirit will lead you and confirm through God's word. So you can have revelation for yourself. So let's dive into God's word. I know it's going to be, definitely give you guys some revelation this morning, I'm believing, so myself as well. Before we get moving, let's pray. Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you so much for your love. We thank you, God, that we can trust you. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you've gone before us, that you've made a way, even if we don't see a way, Father. So we thank you, God, that you're going to give people hope this morning. If they don't have hope, you're going to open doors of opportunity. But for, or foremost, Father, we just thank you that as we dive into your word, that Holy Spirit, you're going to lead us into your truth. You're going to bring revelation that we will get to know you better, that we actually get to know you to dive deeper into our relationship with you, Father. And we're so grateful that we have a relationship with you. As well, Father, as a community and as a church, we lift up our great nation of Canada. We thank you so much that we have this opportunity to live in Canada, Father. And we lift up every single leader uh, in this country, Father. We thank you that they're going to continue, that you're going to provide wisdom and knowledge and opportunity for them to walk out the ways that you have for them. We thank you that Canada's best days are still ahead, Father. We know that Canada has a massive role to play in this world, and we need the right leaders in place. So, Father, we thank Thank you for the leaders that are going to pursue what you have. If there are leaders that do not want what you have, who are against what you have, Father, we thank you that you're raising up other men and women and leaders to take their place, to be able to come into office and to champion its citizens, to bring freedom, to bring uh, all these things that our country needs to do what it needs to do and what you have called our country to do. So, Father, we give you all the praise and glory. We thank you for this in advance. Everyone in agreement said amen, amen, and amen. Praise God. How many people brought their Bibles? The real deal Bibles. The paperback Bibles. I don't think it's actually paper. It's something else. It's got to be paper. Someone told me it wasn't paper. I just took their word for it. Is that true? We're going to dive into God's word. The title of our message today is, What is Real Love? What is Real Love? It is Love Month, people. I just found that out a couple minutes ago, so that's good. We're on track already. We're going to define and talk about what real love is according to the Bible. See, when we lead our lives, did you know that the Bible is your guide? If you choose to believe in God, that means you have chosen that the Bible is your guide and your ultimate authority. It is your absolute morality. It is absolute truth. You guys with me? 
That's what we believe. And so whenever things are going on in culture, whenever we've got issues that might be confusing or might be cloaked in euphemisms and empathy and all these other things, we always go back to God's word to find out which side is up. Because if we don't have an absolute that we go back to, then everything is just relative and we fall into chaos. And I believe today that as we dive into God's word, that we're going to look and understand what God intended for us in love. And and we're going to look at Jesus and what he teaches because he gives us massive clarity on this. I also believe that as we go through this, is that God's word is going to illuminate things in your life on how we can apply this on things that we can change in, but also things that we need to seek God for. So what is real love? If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 22. We're going to be reading in verse 34 to 40. Matthew chapter 22, I'm reading out of the King James. Just to give you a little bit of a background, Jesus is well into his ministry. Jesus is here talking with people, Sadducees and Pharisees, which are kind of religious experts of the law at the time. These guys, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they're on a mission to trap Jesus, just so you know. They don't like what he's doing. They don't think he is the Messiah. They're expecting a different figure. There have been other people before Jesus that have claimed to be the Messiah. Other people after Jesus that have claimed to be the Messiah. So they think that Jesus is acting completely sacrilegious. They want to get him into a place where they can trap him, almost entrapment in a sense. And so they've been posing a series of questions and Jesus has been astonishing them with his answers, how Jesus does. So that's where we pick it up here in verse 34. So, but when the Pharisees heard that Jesus, that he had silenced the Sadducees, they all gathered together. They regrouped, they huddled. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question. Reason why they say lawyer, because these guys are absolute experts in the law. They know what the Old Testament said in the law of how we abide, how we live. Every single thing of 612 of them, these guys knew it. So they're hoping this lawyer who's smart can trap Jesus. And he goes, teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? So Jesus said to him, and you've all heard this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. How many people have heard this before? I feel like this has become a verse that we know, but there is so much deep revelation to to take out of it that will actually change our lives. So I'm diving, hoping to dive into three things and we're going to actually focus on the latter half of this sermon on loving your neighbor because I think there's so many misconceptions of what love is and I want to define love together according to what Jesus says on what it means to love our neighbor. But first, in order to get to that, we need to back up and understand what does it mean to love God? Then I ask the question, what is love? My mind immediately goes to a night at the Roxbury. Anybody else? All you 90s kids? We asked this question, what is love? Love is being defined in so many different ways right now. We have moved into a world of relativism where everyone's just got this idea of what love is. Love is love. I know I was always taught that you shouldn't define a word by using that word in your definition, but we're going to define love today in a number of ways. But before we even understand and talk through what does it mean to love God? Because so many of us, I'm, I'm saying this because I've been here, sometimes even fall back into it. it. It's a cliche 
okay, I love God. I think I'm loving God, but how do I love God? What does it mean to love God? And Jesus gives three examples of love the Lord of God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. We're going to dive into what that means. But before we dive into that, I want to back up even one step further. In order to love God, I think we have to understand the great question that humanity has been asking over and over and over again. And that is the question of, why am I here? Have you guys ever asked that question? Why are you here in this century? Why did you get picked to be alive in this time? And this question has been asked from great philosophers for thousands of years. It's been asked and, 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 and there's always been different answers and explorations. But I think in order for us to understand how to love God, we have to understand our purpose. So I'm going to tell every single one of you what your purpose is. Is that okay? Does it sound like a little arrogant? Because I know all of your purposes, just so you know. Every single person in this room, I know what your purpose is. So seek no further. I'm going to illuminate you this morning. When we look at our purpose, and I did a message on this a number of weeks ago in Calgary. It's on the Springs app for people. If you didn't know that, you can get all the messages from Pastor Zach and the other pastors on that app. Is This is more of a part two follow-up moving on from that. So I'm going to give you a real quick recap. But here is the answer. Your purpose is, dun, 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 to be in relationship with God. Is that a little, like, like disappoint the expectations? <laughs> Were you wanting some grand epiphany? Your purpose, the reason why God created you on this earth, the reason why God created humanity, thus knowing and putting into motion you being here, is to be in relationship. That's an actual communication uh, uh, to be in relationship with God, to know God, to walk and to talk with God. That is your purpose. So we're going to hammer this out. Your purpose is not to be an amazing doctor. Doctor, your purpose is to know God, to be in relationship with God. You're not, your purpose, let me give Jesus a hand, your purpose is not to be a podcaster that tells his thoughts to the world. Your purpose is to know and be in relationship with God. Get this, parents, your purpose is not to be an amazing parent, even though you should be. Your purpose is to know God and be in relationship with God. Worship leaders, your purpose is not to lead worship. Your purpose is to know God and be in relationship with God. Pastors, <laughs> speaking to myself, my purpose is not to be a pastor. My purpose is to know God and to be in relationship with God. Man, this is so freeing when you understand and you take hold of this. Why is it freeing? Because no longer am I do I have to succumb to all the whims of these other areas I try to find my purpose from? If I find my purpose from relationship, my spouse, what Danielle thinks of me, guess what? There will be times I get disappointed. If I find my purpose from my kid and how I raise my children, my kids and future children, well, guess what? At some point, I'm gonna be disappointed. If I find my purpose because I feel like I need to create wealth, and my purpose is in that, well, guess what? There's going to be mountains and valleys in your life, in this roller coaster of life. If you find your purpose from your career, guess what? One day, disappointment will hit if it hasn't already. 
This is what I'm hammering this so hard because for us to understand and progress forward, you have to understand why you are here. I love the thought that our blip on this earth, our little piece of time that we have is actually preparation to know God for all of eternity. It's almost like a meet and greet. Hey God, nice to know you. The introduction of getting to know and build that relationship because we're going to spend all of our time with God in heaven in eternity if you believe in Jesus. So your purpose is not any of those peripheral things that the world will always tell you your purposes should be found in. Your purpose is found in Jesus and your purpose is to be in relationship with God. Am I clear on that? Okay, test your neighbor. Praise God, put our hands together. Thank you, Jesus. Do me a favor and test your neighbor. Ask them, what is your purpose? If they didn't know, I'm gonna let you preach them for a quick moment just so you know. See, knowing our purpose is the hinge on which everything swings. Knowing our purpose is the hinge on which your life swings. And if you've got a bad hinge, if you've got the wrong hinge, that door's not gonna swing like it should be swinging. It's gonna hit the door frame, it's gonna be crooked, you're gonna have problems. But when you get the, the, the foundation right of what your purpose is, then you will understand and set yourself up for how God wants you to live your life. So that's the recap. I went longer in two minutes than I wanted to, but if you're taking notes, you can write these down. Matthew 6, 5, Luke chapter 11, verse 1 to 13. I think they'll put up on the screen. I hope so. Matthew 21, 22, Hebrews eleven six. 6. I want to give you a couple of scriptures so you can dive into finding more truth about what I'm saying because I don't want to camp on that right now for lack of time this morning. But that is your purpose, just so you know. Now that we understand our purpose, we want to move into what did Jesus say about love? Because Jesus summed up this whole book of the Bible from the beginning to the very end. When we understand our purpose, he has given us two great commandments. We know we've got the 10 commandments in the Old Testament. And what Jesus has done with the rest of the laws, he summed up your life following Jesus can be defined by this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. We're going to define those words in just a moment. Then the second thing, which doesn't mean it's a lot less important, it's still massively ahead of everything else that we do in our own lives is love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus, I think we all need a reminder because sometimes we can overcomplicate life, is it broken down to love God and then that propels us to love people. You guys with me? We're gonna dive into love God. So what Jesus said is he used, and when the Sadducees were asking him the question here, Jesus goes ahead and he actually answers the question by quoting some Old Testament scripture. When he says, love the Lord your God, he's actually quoting in Deuteronomy chapter six, when there's a command from Moses about how people should live their life. He is saying, love the Lord your God. Then he quotes Leviticus about loving your neighbor as yourself. And what he is doing here is he is setting the stage to these guys of saying, there is nothing more important than for you to love God with all of your heart. Now, what does heart mean? It can mean a lot of things, right? It's a muscle in our heart that sustains life. Heart can mean courage. That guy showed heart. It can mean resilience. It can mean a lot of different things. So I wanna go back to the scripture on what Jesus was communicating by using this specific word. 
Because when we translate things into our English language, it still has so much power and meaning, but there is more meaning packed into the other words, like in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, in the Greek, when you find out what these guys are trying to communicate. And Jesus, the word that's used here in the Hebrew word in the Old Testament that Jesus uses is lavav, which means heart. Now, you have to understand, different ancient cultures had different ideas of how the body worked. They all thought of different things. And these Jewish scholars, they thought the heart really was not just a physical essence, not just a physical part that controls your body and sustains your life, but what it actually is, it's a place where you have understanding and you make connections. This was their view of what heart meant. The Bible tells us in Proverbs that wisdom dwells in the heart, right? Have you guys heard that? Heart is also where we discern and make our decisions, So we're getting this idea of our heart. Proverbs 4.23 tells us, for out of your heart flows the forces of life. So it's not some emoji heart that just means, I love you. It is trying to describe a real deep meaning of what heart is, how to love God. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful above all else. Who can understand it? But you have to understand Jeremiah's perspective was he watched a generation literally turn its back on God and move into paganism. And he sees this heart of using a place for decisions. And all, of, and all these old prophets really understood the only hope for humanity is the total renewal of your heart. So the heart plays a very important role. And essentially what it means here, the heart is where you have your thought, your emotions, and your choices, which is motivated by your desires. So when Jesus says, love the Lord your God with your heart, he is essentially saying the very essence of who you are, When you make decisions, love the Lord your God. When you make choices, the emotions, all of these things, your desires, you are to love God with all of these things. So it's pretty all-encompassing. Are you guys with me so far? We're going to move on to the next. Now, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Now that all of you know what that means, that means what you're doing, your thinking, your desires. Next one says the English word is soul. Now we go back to the original word in Hebrew is nephesh, N-E-P-H-E-S-H. What that is, it's used over 700 times in the Old Testament. And this is David's opinion, okay? Just, I want to make that very clear. This next statement is David's opinion. Soul is a slightly unfortunate translation because when we think of the word soul, how many of you get soul and spirit mixed up and confused? Nobody in this church. Amazing. The teaching is unreal here. I love it. No one does. I did. Just to be honest with you guys, I did. But the reason why a lot of people get those two mixed up is because soul gets mixed up with Greek mythology where it's this this essence, almost like this ghost-like essence inside of a cage or body that only gets released after death. So there's this idea of a soul being trapped and all that kind of stuff gets mixed up. So it gives a wrong, confusing meaning of what what the authors are actually trying to translate here. So the word nefesh actually is more depicted of not we have a nefesh, but we are nefesh. It's actually referring to our full physicality and our full being. For example, the word nefesh, one of the translations means throat, which is often used as this is the necessary passageway for us to live and to breathe our throat, how we breathe, how we eat and all that. It shows us and it tells us as well that Joseph, when Joseph was thrown in jail, the word says 
the, the, the Hebrew says his nefesh was thrown in jail, meaning his physicality, who he was. So just take my word for it. Actually, I don't take my word for it. Go up and double check me on it. But what this word means is our full physical self. It means to devote our full beings, meaning our actions, our responses. It means also taking care of our bodies. It's very silent. I'm just going to leave that one there. Offering our entire being with its capabilities, also with its limitations that we have. So what the authors are saying here, we're putting these pieces of the puzzle together, is that you are to love the Lord your God with your heart, which means essentially our emotions, our desires, our choices, all of these things. With all of your nefesh, your soul, which means your entire physicality, your body, how you move, the actions that you take, how you represent yourself, all of these things. And then the final one, what it also means, the last one is the word strength that Jesus uses. But the Hebrew word is the word miad. Turn to your neighbor and say, miad. The word miad is interesting because it's also used about 400 times in the Old Testament, but this is really used as an adverb more often than not. The word miad actually means very or much. It emphasizes the action and the word to build it up more. It's this, this exclamation point. So when you look at the word miad, like for example, when God created, you know, God created seven days. God said each one of the six days, he saw his creation was good. But then on the seventh day, it says, God saw that his creation was miad, good. So it's emphasizing good, meaning very good, greatly good, that emphasis. It says when Cain, Cain's anger was risen up against Abel, it says Cain was miad, angry with Abel, meaning very or much. So all my point is, is that when we use the word strength in this, it's accurate, but it doesn't give the full depiction of what this means. So to summarize what's going on here is that, so when Jesus quoted the Old Testament, he used two words to describe this. He uses mind and power. So we're emphasizing heart, which do you guys remember what heart means? Choices, our, 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 our desires, our, our essence of who we are. The second one, which is our, our, our physicality, our soul, but our physicality. The third one is miad. So for me, I'm like, okay, God, which one is it for miad? Is it strength? Is it mind? You know, it's an interesting thing. If you look at an Aramaic translation of the, old, of the, the, the Bible and you look at what they describe it as, they actually translate the word miad into wealth. Interesting translation. The point is, through all of this, is that is strength right? Is wealth right? Is mind right? Well, the point is they all are right. There's no limitation here. So the point is, is that every single moment of we are, it doesn't limit us, but every single moment that we have, the breath in our lungs is an opportunity to emphasize and to show and bring glory and to love God. So this is, this is the standard at which Jesus has set. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. So your choices, how we conduct ourselves, your desires. Then it says all of your soul, nefesh, which means our full physicality. And then it says the last one, and your mind or your wealth or your, mm, emphasize those other things is that not only you just do that, but you emphasize it to its full capability. 
See, it doesn't give us less opportunity. It actually shows us that we have got unlimited capacity to show love in our entire being. The reason why I'm camping on this is because this is so important to understand. This is what Jesus said is the most important thing for you to do. So it's not to build your business, okay? It's not to look awesome and have the sharpest dress going on. It's not to be beautiful parents and to raise an amazing family. Although all those things are, they're somewhat important. Parents are important. It is to love God with every single thing that you are. Is every chance is an opportunity to grow in relationship with him, to give honor and glory to the one that gave us the opportunity to even live in the first place. The reason why I am here on this stage is because God put his breath and his spirit inside of my body, which is nothing without God. The very least that I can do is give him honor and then give him glory in every single thing I do with how I conduct myself, with the choices that I make, with my desires, with diving into his word and spending time. This is what Jesus is commanding us. You with me? We're not even at the good stuff yet. I'm just laying a foundation. So Jesus says, love God with everything that you are. That is number one. Don't get it twisted don't forget about it. This is something. And the beautiful thing about loving God is that when you actually pursue and dive into this relationship is that it's not something that you just mentally have to choose. Oh yeah, I forgot to love God today. No, the thing about Jesus is that when you're in relationship, actual relationship, I'm not just talking about salvation relationship. I'm talking about real life relationship is that Jesus becomes addictive. The more that you're with Jesus, the more that you want to spend time with Jesus. The more you spend time with Jesus, the more that the fruits and his, and his personality and who he is starts to rub off on you. See, you cannot help but grow in the fruits of the spirit if you're spending time with Jesus. No one has ever spent a lot of time with Jesus and not grown in the fruits of the spirit. So what happens if you're not growing in all of these areas? I'm gonna guess you're probably not spending time with Jesus because it's not Jesus's fault. So the point is we got to love God. We're going to move on. I'm, actually, I'll give you one real quick practical tip because I hate saying things and not giving a practical tip. I believe that in our world that's so full of distractions, if you are not setting time aside to dwell in the secret place, like it says in Psalm 91, to hear from God, to dwell on his word, if you are not setting that time aside in your life, you are not going to live like you are set apart. We need to set time aside and dive into God's word to hear from him, to let the one who can bring everything into our life equip us. But too many of us keep looking to all the external things to build our life when we're forgetting about the one who gave life. That's the practical, set aside time. Psalm 103 says, bless the Lord, all my soul and all that is within me. So these writers are picking up on this entire essence of our being, praising and work, uh, worshiping God, bringing him honor. So now we're going to move to part two. What does it mean to love your neighbor? Well, for me, several things come to mind when I think of loving my neighbor. I think of being kind sometimes. I think of sacrifice. That word comes to mind. I think of putting others first. A lot of times the word love, I just think it's misconstrued. We just think of it as being really nice. We have to be kind. We shouldn't stir up things. It's soft. It can be weak. So many different definitions of love. 
But Jesus is showing us how we should love our neighbor. Yeah, but I hate my neighbor. (laughs) Jesus tells us to love him. But my neighbor's an idiot, David. Like, you don't know him like I know him. (laughs) Jesus shows us and tells us how to love. But there's something I want to focus on here. I don't want to focus on be kind and do good things. I don't want to focus on sacrificing. We will maybe in a little bit. I don't want to focus on those ideas because I think that's the first thing all of our minds go to when we think of loving our neighbor. Doing good things, being nice, being kind. And there's a whole nother portion of love that we don't really camp upon. So I mentioned kindness, sacrifice, putting others, people first. Servanthood, Jesus was the ultimate servant. He showed us how to serve and love others. But there's a number of things that I think is extremely important. And before I get there, I want to make this statement. How you love your neighbor is a reflection of how you love God. I'm going to say it one more time. How we love our neighbors is a litmus test for how we love God. How we love God propels us to love our neighbor. Because if you're trying to love your neighbor on your own strength, you're going to fail over and over and over again. Why? Because there's some real crappy people out there. But what happens? Okay, God, I love you. I've been spending time with you, heart, mind, soul, strength, all that stuff. Remember when I say that, I'm just going to summarize by saying love God. Okay, God, I've been loving you. Now I'm going to go love my neighbor. Great. But guess what? It's not one, two, and then I'm done. It's one, step out to two, come back to one. Step out to two. Oh, I failed at loving my neighbor. Guess what? Go back to one, love God. Okay, God, I'm going to try again. Okay, I succeeded there. Go back to love God. Oh, but my neighbor, he's so hard to love. He is honestly, he just cuts his lawn at 6 a.m. in the morning and I never want to go and love on him. Love God. I'm kind of being goofy with this, with this kindness, nice and sad. But our neighbor is not just our physical neighbor. We're talking about the world. I'm going to use that word. But there's another aspect of love I want to move on to. Because this is something that Christians, if we get it twisted, is that it is really going to affect not just us, but our future generations. And it really falls under the word of compromise. Here's a couple other things that love is. Love is speaking truth. Did you know that? Love is speaking truth. What is truth? Truth is a person, first of all. It's Jesus. Jesus, if you believe in God, You've chosen the Bible as your absolute moral authority. It is our anchor. It is what we measure everything else against. If we don't have a constant moral authority that's over top of us, well, we fall into relativism because why is what you say more important than what I think? Why is your idea of right and wrong better than my idea of right and wrong? See, if we fall into that, we are screwed. But when we go and we know that God is our ultimate moral authority, we go back to what he says. So we have a truth as Christians, that we can speak. Love is speaking truth. Love is also fighting against injustice. Biblical injustice. Love is confrontational. All the parents said amen to that. (laughs) Love is confrontational. If I see my son, Gabriel, going in different ways that's going to hurt him, I am going to confront him on that, even though it might not be nice or might not feel kind to him, it's out of love because I will have his well-being in mind. Love is confrontational. We don't hear love talked about. I haven't heard many sermons talked on this kind of love because this is the other half of love that Jesus showed us over and over again. Love 
is being courageous. Love is a verb, thanks to the philosophers of DC Talk. Love is an action word. Love is being a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper, a peacemaker. Love stands strong and love always defends. The reason why I want to go here is because we look at a world and we see what's going on in our world is that Christians have the responsibility to love our neighbor. If we love our neighbor, that means when we see our neighbors going down a path that's going to lead to destruction, then it means to be courageous and to bring truth into their life so at least they have the opportunity to course correct. That is love, speaking up. To not speak up and to just accept and to reaffirm what they're doing because you want to make them feel validated, that is cowardice. That is not love. Praise God. We give them all the praise. See, that's not love. And this is the beautiful thing what it says in 1 John chapter 4. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. So if we've taken on fear of things that we want to speak about, what I would say is you go back to step one, you love God, spend time with God so you can get reaffirmed about what God says is truth. And you'll also get reaffirmed that what your position is, I am actually speaking and talking and being courageous because it is out of love. If I am genuinely, like I got my brother-in-law here, Austin. If Austin is going down a way, he's not. But if he is, and I love Austin, let's say he's being just a dummy in whatever area you want. He's not a dummy. But I say, Austin, bro, you need to do this. What you're doing here is going to hurt you down the road. See, if I actually love him, I'm not going to have a fear of confronting him. If I love God and I love people, I'm not going to have a fear of confronting him because I genuinely want what's best for Austin. But if I kind of don't care about Austin all that much, I'm going to have this fear in terms of me confronting him because it might be awkward. I might hurt his feelings. I might make him feel like he's not where he should be. All of those things. But see, perfect love casts no fear. And Jesus is the perfect love that leads us to walk with no fear. It talks about in Proverbs 3 how love is steadfast. Ephesians 5 tells us how love is sacrificial. Also means sacrificing our own personal comfort to walk in love to love people, to be kind, to show them the truth, but also to speak up when people need to hear the truth, to show them love. See, this is the interesting thing. Jesus never commanded Christians to be nice. I thought you guys would be more excited about that one. First service went off the hook on that one, just so you know. Jesus never commanded us to be nice. See, to be in nice in our culture really means to be tolerant and just to affirm what anybody thinks is truth and to tell them it's true. Well, that's completely baloney, just so you know. See, Christ calls us to love people. See, this is the thing. If my son Gabriel, and let's pretend he's five years old and he wants to walk across the street and he asks me, dad, where should I go? And I say, you do what you want, son. Be true to yourself. That is not love. That is cruel. Because I have the chance to lead him down a path of life versus a path of destruction that he is on. But Christ, this is the challenge for Christians. Christ calls us to act in love. And what is the definition of love? Of all the things that we have said what love is. Love, when you love your neighbor, this is how you love your neighbor. When you are committed to the well-being of the other person. Over discomfort, 
over awkwardness, over all the things that can come up in confrontation. Love is when you are committed to the well-being of other people. And this is the interesting thing because ideas all have consequences. How many people know this? Good ideas have good consequences. Bad ideas have victims. I threw some of you off there. Bad ideas have victims. So the challenge is for us as Christians is to be motivated by love, to act in love, but it's not this simply I accept whatever you think is truth and, and accept however you want to behave because it is your own prerogative. No, I love my neighbor and I'm called to love this world. I'm called to love this country. I'm called to love people around me by bringing and showing them truth, which means being courageous when you need to be courageous, meaning knowing the truth and spending time with God, loving God, loving people. I spend time and love God so I can love people wherever I go. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said the two most important things. Picture him talking to you. Love God is the most important thing. It's your purpose. And number two, when we love God, it fuels us to love our neighbor. And there have been a lot of Christians who have misrepresented this because they don't love God the way God's asking them to be loved. But I believe Springs Church is gonna be a leader going in the future of showing people how to love God and he equips us. We find our purpose and our fulfillment in him. We find everything that we are so that we can build lives first off that bring glory to God, but also it goes and we can love our neighbor to show them the truth that Jesus is. Even if they're on a path to destruction, we can say, I've got the answer. Come over here because I love you. This is where we need to get to as Christians and as a Christianity in our modern day. Thank you, Jesus. We're gonna end it there. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you, God, that Holy Spirit, you are our teacher. We know that you're gonna bring us not just revelation, Father, but help us be pushed into action about seeing a change in our life, with, not first off with our relationship with you. God, we know that because you loved us first, we can love you. That's our response. And we thank you, God, that your word is true and that we can trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for one moment, please? I talked about for the last while, relationship and purpose. And it doesn't matter if you believe in God or you don't believe in God. Your purpose is and was to be in relationship with God. And if you do not have a relationship with God, I'm, I'm talking to those people who maybe you, you ran away from God. Maybe you feel like God left you behind a while ago. Maybe life's thrown you some curveballs. Maybe you've never been to church before. Maybe you are checking out a lot of different religions and you don't know which way to go. I'm speaking to you this morning that God created you with a purpose to be in relationship with him. And the beautiful thing about this is that you have an opportunity right now to change your life by coming into relationship with God. It doesn't mean just to identify as a Christian. What it means is that we put our faith in Jesus Christ who rose from the dead, that we believe in our heart that and the second thing is we confess with our mouth. See, it has nothing to do with your behavior, has nothing to do with how well put together you are, has nothing to do with all of that. Jesus said, no one's good, so don't worry about being good. Just put your faith in me because I'm the one who connects you with God. Because God loves you so much. In your imperfect world, maybe in your screwed up world, God loved you as an individual so much that he sent his son Jesus just for you so you guys could be reconciled together. That's what he did. That's how much he loves you. And today, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And trust me, no one's looking around. Every head is bowed. 
I'm gonna count to three in a couple moments, but you have an opportunity to make that decision today. If you wanna make a decision to be in relationship with God today, to start and to re-engage in your purpose, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand in one, two, three. Awesome, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you over here, thank you, thank you, thank you. Awesome, thank you over here, thank you. Thank you back there, praise God. Thank you over here, thank you. There's so many hands, thank you. God sees you, that's the important thing, thank you. If you're in a different site, thank you over there, or you're online, God knows exactly what you're deciding, thank you over there. I want you to know that today you are coming back into your purpose. You are coming back into the fold of what God's called you to be. I'm so happy you're making this decision. What we're going to do as a church is we're all going to pray out loud together. Please, I'm going to ask everyone to repeat after me. We're going to pray with these wonderful people who are making a decision for Jesus. Dear God, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for forgiving me of all of my sins. Today I choose to follow you. And I declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. Let's put our hands together for all those who made that decision.